as we're recording right now, we are 24 hours away from, I'm going to call it like the Casey-less independent app development debut. <laughs> I think that's probably fair. So uh, we should probably do a bit of a recap uh, for either people that need a refresher or maybe don't know the story. Uh, you have developed an application all on your own um, and have released it into the iOS app store. Um, what is this app? What is it called? What is it? What does it do? Yeah, so the purpose of the app is to go through your contact list and try to find pictures for all your contacts, be that updated pictures or be that brand new pictures, you know, because maybe they just have initials at this point. You know, in, in your phone, Mike, maybe you don't have a picture for me. So my picture is instead just the initial CL because that's what iOS defaults to. And mm -hmm. the app uses uh, the, your contact list to go through and, and check that against Twitter, against Facebook, against Instagram, and against Gravatar, and try to find a either brand new or, or perhaps just you know, an updated image for all of, all of your contacts. And the name of the app is Vignette, which is a name I came up with quite a while ago and was hemming and hawing about, but decided I haven't come up with any better ideas, so here we are. Yeah, for for tip for like long-time analog listeners over the last month or so, Vignette is the name of the application that I have been suggesting Casey change. <laughs> that is correct. That is absolutely but correct. I am also, like me and you have been talking about it, and neither of us, you haven't, I don't think anybody has been able to come up with something that is more compelling or at least sounds as nice. So the reason that I suggest I suggest a Casey change vignette is the spelling. Yeah, which is a little bit weird because there are two significant problems with the spelling of the word vignette, which is the G and the two T's. Mm -hmm. Like they're the two things that people will struggle with, but it's a word that exists in the English language. So although I assume it's actually French, isn't it? But that's all right. Yeah, it's one of the French words that got kind yeah, yeah, of like yep. assimilated into English. Mm -hmm. It's like it's just like this just becomes the word. Um, I am intrigued as to why vignette because like I still don't feel like I fully understand what that name, how the name relates to the app. Yeah, so a vignette, strictly speaking, now I'm reading directly from the Mac OS dictionary. Uh, definition number Webster's two. Webster's dictionary mm -hmm. defines vignette yeah, exactly, as <laughs> exactly a small illustration or portrait photograph which fades into the background, into its background, oh. without a definite border. So, see, I just because again, I never looked it up. I just assumed that the vignette was the border, not like the image itself. If that makes sense, as the description. Like what it sounds like really is that the description of vignette is from the inside out, where I've always thought of it from the outside in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so, I, really, what it came down to was I was trying to look at like uh, synonyms or alternative words for avatar or portrait or something like that. And I was using the thesaurus as one is to do. And I came up with vignette and it seemed like a, a different enough name that it will be at least slightly unique, especially in this context, but not so different that it'd be like, Oh, uh, uh, what now? Now your point is still fair that it is a slightly odd word that is spelled in a slightly non normal way. And so you're not wrong about anything you said. And Ultimately, I just decided, you know what, I've yet to come up with something better than this. It's it's a common enough word that I think it's okay, so I just went for it. So the app is called Vignette. Yeah, I think it's like, the luck that you would have, I think, is if somebody Googled it, it would get corrected. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, this doesn't necessarily help with the iOS app store, but 
That's like a whole other thing. Anyway, like <laughs> yeah. even if somebody types the word vignette into the iOS app store, what happens? Let me find out. It, there's a lot of other things that are that yeah. are much better search foo than I do because, you know, my app is brand new. Oh, you did a real good job on the uh, app store images. Ah, yes. So that was my friend and friend of the show, Stee, otherwise known as Stay, uh, who took inspiration from a friend of ours, Curtis Herbert, who does the unbelievably good app Slopes. Oh, I... I I changed my mind. Mind has been changed. Completely unacceptable images. Oh, God. Why? So, <laughs> the images, uh, the way that it is, it's like they split across. Um, so, you, you have like you have like four images in a row, right? And you've got one kind of phone which goes diagonally through two images, which mm-hmm. creates, when you're looking in the app store, quite a clever little um, banner. It's, a, it's actually quite a smart way to do it. But the the exact seam of the two images cuts out my face. <laughs> and that is completely unacceptable. Sorry, darling. My I blame Steve completely. Yeah, it's all Steve's fault. Um, but anyway, but no, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. And so the app is free to download, as we had discussed. And it is a one-time $5 in-app purchase, or excuse me, a $4.99 in-app purchase in order well, four to... pounds and 99 pence. Oh, is that right? Yeah, oh, that's surprising because it's not. Um, so the pricing—I <laughs> can teach you something here. Pricing is actually not uh, U.S. dollar equivalent. There are uh, tiers. Yeah, I knew that. And the four ninety nine tier is the same in hmm. pounds. Basically, all of the dollar amounts equate to the same pound amount, but not in conversion. So a ninety nine cent app is a ninety nine pence app. That kind of thing. Interesting. I knew that they were not you know, direct one-to-one mm-hmm. um, translations or, or conversions, but I, I didn't realize that it turns out that the numerals are pretty much the same every time. That's, that's pretty I don't funny. think it's the same in every currency, but sure, at least sure. it is in pound sterling. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it's worth noting the in-app purchase, the way that you have done it, um, is that you can perform the search. Actually, describe the search function, and then you can talk about what, how sure. you implement the payment. Yeah, so the way it works is you can go ahead and, you know, if you allow Vignette to look at your contact list, you can go ahead and search, and, which is pretty much required, and you can go ahead and search, and it will ping against, as appropriate, it will ping against Gravatar, against Facebook, against Twitter, and against Instagram, and try to amass at least one, if not many, different images for each of these contacts. And you can see all of them. You can select the one you like the most and you can get it ready to save. But when you go to save, it'll say, uh, 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 I need $5, please. And so uh, it's only upon the time that you go to save that it costs money. And in order to save, you must buy the in-app purchase. And as of right now, I am making no guarantees about the future. But as of right now, my plan is forevermore. It will be a one or one-time $5 in-app purchase. I have no plans sitting here today to go subscription. We'll see if that ever changes. I have no plans to add other in-app purchases at this time. The plan is it is just basically a free trial is kind of what it boils down to. Yeah. So you can actually see that it works, right? I mean, it's actually quite a, a clever method the way that you've done it because you can see this is the fun. So this is like the, the, the use that you would get out of it. Right. Like this yep. is how you can actually see, go through, like you could update 150 of your contacts right now, but you have to pay to do it. Exactly. Right. So yeah, so this all started with me asking or answering the question and asking and answering the question. Uh, you know, if I if I could, I wonder if I could get my phone to scan all my contacts against Gravatar and come up with images for that. And I thought Gravatar because it's by design, not it doesn't really have any login or anything like that. It's just a place where you can put 
an avatar that is associated with your email address. And that's it. There's no login required, nothing else. And actually, the GitHub repo to this day is called Gravatar Fetcher, because that was just like the name I called it when I was creating the Xcode uh, project. Well, after I did that, and I don't remember when it was in the timeline that you and I spoke, but it was on the show. Um, you know, around this time, I got the Gravatar stuff working. I was like, well, wait a second. I wonder if I could do Twitter. And is there a way to get a Twitter profile image without having to log in? And the answer is actually yes. If you, if, if you, the user, have put a Twitter handle into a contacts, contact card, then I can look at that handle and go to Twitter and say, hey, can I have the user for, or the, excuse me, can I have the profile photo for iMike? And then I thought, okay, well, what about Instagram? And what about Facebook? And it turns out without having to log in, you can actually, I, I would say guess the URL, but that seems like it's nefarious. I don't mean it that way. It's just the URL has a scheme to it. And so I can put together what is the appropriate URL for, for Mike's, you know, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram image and see if they come back. And if they do, great. And if not, no worries. So do you have to, like, if, if I want to find a match, if I just had a name and a phone number, yeah, that's never going to work. Would anything happen? No, because I have no mechanism. Where would I look up that phone number? Yeah, well, I, I, this is what I'm asking, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know if you're able to, like, run the phone number against Facebook's API. <laughs> no, no, no. What about an email address, then? Uh, I, I think that may be possible. I haven't explored it, but I think if so, it would only be when you log in. So I think with, like, Twitter, mm-hmm. I bet you I could look up your account by phone number, because I think such a thing is possible, but it would only be if you were logged in. And one of the current tenets for Vignette, which, again, I mean, I might change my mind in the future, but sitting here today, I don't want the user to have to log into anything, because that shouldn't really be necessary. The idea is just, hey, if you have a pretty good contact database, which some people do and some people do not. Right, well, I guess this is this is the question that you don't have an answer to right now. Exactly. Because there is a strong likelihood, right, that you get a bunch of people who contact you and it's like, this app is broken because it's not finding anything. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly and right. But the answer is, well, you need to do the work first. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why that this is what one of the reasons why paid up front was a bad idea. Would have been a bad idea. It would have been a terrible idea. And I, I think yeah. I would have been annoyed if I was a user and maybe I didn't mm-hmm. have as diligent a contact list as it turns out I do. And so I pay five bucks for this thing and then I come to find out that it found three updates. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, now, the good news is once you run through it once, there's no reason you can't go to your contact list and add all of this information, run it again. You know, you can run it infinite times. You know, one of the ideas I had previously kicked around was limiting how many updates you can do for each in-app purchase or, you know, maybe only doing it for a week at a time or something like that. But that is not how it works. The way it works is you pay once and you can do it forever. Who's the app for? It's for me. I mean, that really is what it boils down to. And I hope that doesn't sound self-obsessed, but this is really scratching an itch that I had. You know, I really was tired of looking at all these initials in my contact list, and I really wanted to have pictures, but I didn't want to have to go through the manual process of adding them all one by one. And for a lot of my contacts, not all of them, but for a lot of them, I already had put in by hand, you know, Twitter accounts or Instagram accounts or what have you. And and almost all of them have email addresses. I think this idea could only come from someone like you. <laughs> yeah. So Casey is very, very fastidious about adding information to contact cards. The level of information that is almost creepy sometimes. Like That's accurate. Casey knows all of the wedding and anniversaries for all of his friends and congratulates them with such things. It is part of what makes you so charming. Uh, but it is also, 
I don't know anybody else that goes to the levels that you do to update their contact database. <laughs> well, and that's and the reason ultimately is because I have a terrible memory. And so I want to be able to remember your anniversary, for example, mm -hmm. but I will never be able to. In fact, I don't even remember your birthday. And so because I know I have a terrible memory, the contact list is kind of my outboard memory to steal a line from uh, Dr. Drang. And so I just started putting all of that information in there. And over time, that means my contact database, if you will, has become fairly robust and maybe even borderline creepy. And so exactly like you said, this app is clearly written for someone like me who has also been pretty diligent about that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, so I was, it was written for me. But then when I was speaking to you, Mike, and you seemed at least passively, and you were actually more than passively, but when you seemed at least passively interested in it, then I realized, well, hold on. Maybe there's something more here than I originally thought. I mean, obviously, I started calling it Gravatar Fetcher because I thought I would only be getting Gravatars, and it was a terrible name, and I didn't care because I was never going to give it to anyone. But now, after having spoken to Mike and then eventually to Marco and John about it as well, and some other people too, it became clear that there was at least some amount of interest or perhaps market here. That's not to say that this is going to be a new overcast or anything like that, but there's maybe a little more legs here than I originally, than I initially gave it credit for. And so that's why starting, I, I just looked yesterday and the first commit I made to GitHub was the 8th of February. And that was the first time I really started getting that's serious about it. And now yeah. here we are just barely three months later. Uh, and, and it is actually live in the app store as we speak. And I know that probably doesn't seem like it was very fast, but it's pretty fast to me. I don't know how development works. That seems pretty quick. Like I yeah. had the same situation. I had the same thing with underscore recently with cow zones. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's mind boggling to me how people like you guys that know what you're doing can put something like that together so fast. Cause like I can't get my head around it, but that seems wild. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And I, I feel like I went relatively quickly, but I mean, I wasn't I wasn't burning the candle at both ends or anything like that until mm -hmm. very, very, very recently. And mm. as I think we discussed on this show, and we definitely discussed on ATP, there was a Bloomberg report recently where we spoke about it. We spoke yeah. about it first. Yeah, okay. You never remember this show. You always remember ATP. You never remember this no, show. No, I always get it backwards. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The point is we spoke about it here and and I realized, oh gosh, like there, and we'll talk about this a little more later, but there's a chance that this app may not even be useful after, after WWDC. And so I really got to get this out the door. And mm -hmm. so pretty much for the month of May, I have been working just about nonstop. I've been working pretty much every single day, pretty much any chance I can get, including weekends, including evenings, trying to get this out the door. And especially during the beta testing process, when I really started opening it up to more than just a couple of friends, that was both magical and terrible all at the same time in that I was getting lots of bug reports. I was getting lots of feedback and suggestions and things. And that was great because I was getting it before the app was really released, but it was terrifying and terrible because I was getting it from all these different people, all of whom had great ideas and or great bug reports. But I'm trying, I'm, I'm looking at this deadline like, oh my God, when am I ever going to be able to ship this thing? Because I, I take one step forward and go three steps back with new bugs or issues or changes or what have you. But all told, it actually, it actually has been live since this past Sunday. I didn't say anything about it because I wanted to do this full court press with the press, but uh, it was, I believe it was, it was, I mean, it was Saturday. I don't know. It's all been such a blur. It was sometime over this past weekend that it went live originally. I think it was actually Saturday. And, uh, and so it's been live for a couple of days and, and I haven't been told from Apple about any sales, but I know at least a couple of family and friends have bought it. So 
I guess that's off to a good start. Yeah, I bought so. it. Oh, thanks, man. So there you go. I needed it. Yeah, I need. I needed somebody to try it, man. Yeah. So, uh, so far, so good. But man, hey, I am. I'm tired, Mike. I'm real tired. Well, you're not going to stop because I have more to ask you. Uh, but before we get into that, before we dive even deeper into vignette. Uh, let's thank our first sponsor of this week's episode, and that is KiwiCo. If you have children, you know how wonderful it is when you find something to do that is educational and fun. But coming up with ideas, planning out projects to undertake can take a lot of time, and you are, I'm sure, a very busy person. Individually researching each creative project and finding ways for them to be educational and fun just isn't practical. But you still want your kids to have creative things to do, and this is where KiwiCo comes in. KiwiCo has a selection of hands-on projects for kids of all ages. You sign up for a KiwiCo subscription, and then every month you receive a crate full of exciting projects. The crates come with everything that you need, so last-minute dashes to the craft store are a thing of the past. There are hundreds of hands-on projects covering science, technology, engineering, art, math so you know your kids are learning when they're while they're getting creative at the same time it doesn't matter how old your kids are either they have crates for all ages and you can pause or cancel your plan at any time casey i believe that we've had a kiwico uh, box arrive with you do you want to tell me a little bit about what the experience has been for you so far like what you think of the of the project yeah so this arrived a little while ago and because of the aforementioned busyness i haven't had a chance to actually do the project with declan but i am super amped to do it let me tell you why uh, the crate, you know, which is a, it's a cardboard box, but it's designed to look like a crate, which is very cute. You open it up and you're immediately greeted by a really lovely picture of a kid that it appears to be roughly Declan's age holding the finished results of one of the projects in the crate. And it's so, it's kind of cheesy, but I love it. It says, you know, rainbows, which is this particular crate. And then it says, for the grown-up assistant, instructions and inspiration. I love that, they, that they're making it clear that this isn't about mm. me. This is about my kid, which I, th- I, think it, I think that's adorable. So anyway, so you open it up in these instructions. The very first page, it shows you, okay, here's the three projects you can do. Here's kind of why we're doing it. So one of them says creating and discovery. The other one says discovery and moving fine. So, I, you know, like fine, fine motor skills. Uh, and, and the other one is the same. So it also has a, a like series of indicators for how messy they are and how much I would be involved with the process. And then you open up this you know three pane uh, instruction sheet and it shows you a page of ins- or a pane of instructions for each thing. And it has really nice things like in, in one of the projects is a rainbow tote bag where the tote bag, which is not some like crummy, let's you know spend as little money as we possibly can to get this out the door kind of tote bag. It seems like a reasonably nice tote bag. Well, anyways, what you're supposed to do is like you know use water in in dyes or or squares to kind of dye it to kind of tie dye it uh, and make it your own. And so that can get messy. And so in the step-by-step process, it says, you know, number two, cover your work surface with scrap paper, then place the tote bag in a baking tray. And then it actually calls out what's messy. The wet rainbow paper squares may contain, may stain some surfaces, which is really nice. You don't have to like kind of piece together what it is that's happening here. You know, it's like sometimes when I look at some of the boxed food things, they, I feel like they cut some corners and assume that you already know what the gotchas are and stuff like that. This is, this is not, you know, the, the, the crate does not do that. It shows and spells out exactly what you need to know, which for someone like me is delightful. And so one of the projects here is a cloud pillow. 
which is, you know, they've included the shell of a pillow, some stuffing, and then some felt stickers that you can put on top of it. And I can tell you that Declan is going to love this. I think he's going to love all of it, but I, I have a feeling because he likes himself like a nice comfy pillow and the fluff seems super duper comfy. So I have a feeling he's going to really like this too. So my commitment to you, the listener, is that Declan and I will do this maybe as a celebration of having shipped. We will do this sometime between now and the next time we record and I'll, and I'll provide some follow-up. You can change the way that your kid plays with KiwiCo. Go to kiwico.com slash analog and you can get your first crate for free. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash analog for your first crate for free. Give it a try, get that free crate and see what your kids think. One more time, that's kiwico.com slash analog. Our thanks to KiwiCo for their support of this show and Relay FM. I want to talk about the design of Vignette a little bit. Sure. The icon is a Rolodex, which I love immensely. Uh, just because that's funny but the style i want to talk about the style of the icon and kind of why you went the route that you did Mm -hmm. because it's it's a very it's a very simple icon um and is almost kind of like and this is not a criticism but like reminiscent of like the the core tenets of ios 7 style design yeah i can see that Mm mm-hmm and I just kind of wonder what the thinking was behind it, why you went the way that you did with it, what, how much thought actually went into it. Well, it's a great question. So this was, uh, let, me, let me go on a slight tangent and then I promise I'll bring it back around. So you know, I am a single person and I, I did all of the work on this app from top to bottom, except when I didn't. And what I mean by that is, is that just by virtue of having friends that are interested in this sort of thing and or friends that actually work in doing these sorts of things, I got a lot of what I consider to be absolutely critical help and or feedback from several of my friends. I think number one on that list was Mike giving me the you know push in the back to actually do this rather than just treat it as a project just for myself. But another example of that is the icon. So I didn't do the icon. I came up with the idea and then our aforementioned friend of the show, Stee, otherwise known as Stay, I basically said to him, hey, and I wish I could, I don't think I could dig up the actual instructions or slash request I gave him, but I basically said, hey man, I think I want like a, like a Rolodex looking thing with like one of those generic profile pictures on it. Do you think you could do that? And I want it to be maroon. And that was about all I told him. And I was expecting you know, to go back and forth with Steve, who is a designer by trade. Um, and we'll link his website in the show notes because it's very good. Uh, and he also has a, uh, a newsletter that's also very good if you're interested in that sort of thing. Anyway, so I, I, I basically said, hey, can you, do you think you could just whip together an icon and, you know, maybe I'll replace it later or whatever. Uh, I want it to look like a Rolodex with just like a generic profile image on it. And I, I know that the theme of the app will be maroon. So I don't know. Can you put something together, please? And that was the very first thing he sent me. I don't think I requested any changes. I felt like it was perfect the moment I saw it. Why maroon? Okay, so that is a great question. Left to my own devices, I would have probably chosen some flavor of blue as the kind of tint color of the app, kind of the the theme color of the app. But everything on the app store is some flavor of blue. So that's already out out the door. So then I thought, well... Maroon is okay, and I also like orange. And the, the the reason I came up with maroon and orange is because Virginia Tech, my alma mater, their colors are Chicago maroon and burnt orange. And so I was going to go with you orange. You just can't stop caseying. I know. Can you? I know. So then I thought. Uh, <laughs> so then I thought. Well, let me go with orange. Orange is really lovely and kind of like vibrant. And oh wait, overcast. Well, never mind. 
All right. <laughs> I guess I guess that leaves me with Maroon then, doesn't it? And and the advantage, like whether or not you, Mike, or you, the listener, particularly favors Maroon, uh, I, I like it because I don't, I can't think of many other apps. In fact, off the top of my head, I can't think of any. It other. feels very unique to me. Exactly. I don't recall this color or really purple uh, being used very much in, in the, the applications that I use. Exactly right. And so to my eyes... It was both unique, it had some modicum of meaning to me, and it looked okay. Like, I, I maybe you're, again, you, the listener, you, Mike, maybe you don't like Maroon that much, but I think it's fine, and, and it had some amount of thought behind it, so, eh, why not? I think it does the job. Thanks. Like, I, th- I think I, so, too. I think too. it does. Because I think, overall, the design of the application is maybe better than I would have expected, initially. Yeah, first of all, thank you. Second of all, I think you were on the very short list of those who have been on the test flight since day one. And so you've seen the really ugly versions of this app. Um, and the, <laughs> which might be why I was worried. Which might be why you were worried. <laughs> so here's the thing. like I, I, I think I've said this on the show at least a handful of times, but I feel like I'm an okay design critic. And I think I'm okay, not great, but okay at saying, no, this isn't right. And, and or, well, would you th- consider maybe doing it slightly differently this way? But what I am not good at is being a design creator. Like when I just have a blank slate and I'm trying to come up with something out of nothing, I am completely crippled. I am just not good at it. And so I don't remember exactly how it came to be, but a friend of the show, Ben Rice McCarthy, had asked to or I'd offered to have them take a look at the app and just see what they thought of it, not requesting help, but just kind of see what they thought of it. And then Ben took it upon themselves to actually put together like a, a kind of like a mock UI for me, which hmm. is in spirit exactly what you see today. Now it's been tweaked some here and there, but the spirit of the of the app design was all Ben. Now subsequent to that, and I forget the timeline again, but subsequent to that, friend of the show Jelly, uh, otherwise known, otherwise known as Daniel Farrelly, he decided to take it upon himself to take Ben's admitted kind of like throw it together, just kind of throw something over the fence. Like Ben was never generating something that was supposed to be a final product. He was just kind of getting my creative juices flowing. Well, Jelly apparently decided that he wanted to throw his own input in, which I was very thankful for. And Jelly did a lot of the design as you see it today. So he actually put together like a sketch document and uh, and sent me a lot of the assets that I've used. And, and that was extremely kind of him. And this is what I was talking about earlier to go on a quick tangent. This app is me. It's 100% me, except when it isn't. And and I love the design of this app, but it would the, this app design would not exist if it weren't for Jelly and Ben. And the icon would not exist if it weren't for Stee. And a lot of the copy changes, which we haven't really spoken about yet, but a lot of the copy changes to get me from using a thousand words when 10 would do, that would not have happened were it not for Marco. And so it's because of all of these people that this app exists. And I am extraordinarily indebted and thankful to every single one of them and a bunch of people I haven't brought up yet, too, for pushing or steering or suggesting or otherwise just assisting in getting this app to the place it is today. And I think, you know, you, Mike, for getting me the initial shove, for Ben for getting me that initial design, Steve for the app icon, and Jelly for some of the final design. I think you guys particularly were even more pivotal than the many, many other people that I'm kind of 
not that I'm not appropriately recognizing right now. So let me publicly say to all of you, thank you so very much because this app, it would not be here if it weren't for you guys. We'll just wait your checks when Facebook buys it. Yep, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> if Facebook is buying it, you got it. You got it. It's awesome. a deal. Um, we spoke last time about the idea of potentially Apple creating a feature in iMessage, which could have been troublesome for you. And on the episode, I urged you to get the app out before WWDC, which you have done. So congratulations. I'm very proud of you, by the way, Thank you. for actually doing that. Um, because I know that you weren't necessarily completely on board at first, at least. So like, I'm very proud <laughs> of you for doing it. Um, have since last time, have you have any more thoughts crystallized for you on the idea of this app just having a very limited shelf life? Uh, some. I think, first of all, what you had said about getting it out the door for WWDC was was absolutely right. And it was later echoed by Marco and John. You know, all three of you guys said, look, you've got yep. to get this out. You absolutely have mm -hmm. to get this out. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I really like when I say something and those two agree. Yeah. Because it makes it feel like I actually had a good opinion. So. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it was nice. Yep, I know that feeling. But uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, so having you guys really give me the shove at the end as well was also pivotal because I think I would have gone one of two ways when having read that Bloomberg report. And my initial reaction was, ah, well, that was a nice idea, and I guess whatever. We'll see when it. We'll see when I'm able to release it. We'll see when it comes out if it's Sherlocked, whatever. Or oh my God, I got to get this out the door and I got to do it now. Let's burn the candle at both ends and get this thing freaking done. And thankfully, because mm -hmm. of the push from you guys, that's the one I chose was getting it out the door. Um, and I, I feel like it was, imp I always wanted it out the door before WWDC, even before this Bloomberg thing, but I wasn't, there was no real urgent need. It was just a goal. And this Bloomberg report, I'm actually sitting here now kind of thankful for because it gave me the need to get it done. To answer your question, though, like, did anything crystallize since we spoke? Yeah, there were actually a couple of people who brought up something that was really obvious that I did not consider. And so uh, we found one of them. I f apologize if you were the first, the seventh or the tenth or whatever, but this is the first one that we were able to come up with. Arden wrote, I think you're forgetting Android. Even if the worst happens and iMessage updates contact photos, it won't update those for Android users. For many people, that would be more than half of their contacts. Your app may become even more relevant. And that was an extraordinarily good point that I should have thought of, in no small part because half of my contacts are Android users, because Aaron's entire family is on Android. But it is the idea of the increased relevancy that really blew my mind from this comment, where yeah. it's just mm -hmm. like, people might now want their all of their images to be updated because half of them will be. Yeah, exactly right. And so Arden was extremely uh, prescient with this. And, and, and I, th I thought it was a great bit of feedback that I was really thankful for because uh, having, the, having you guys say, get it out the door, get it out the door, that puts some wind in my sails. But Arden and a couple other people who, who had written with similar thoughts really put a gust of wind behind my sails that yeah, gave me yeah. the boost I needed to really just say, you know well, what? Well, it made it more than just like us all encouraging you out of desperation for yeah, you or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, well, here's an actual logic, like a, a good logical reason as to why this might still be a benefit to people um, as opposed to just you doing it because otherwise you've wasted your time. Yeah, exactly right. So 
so yeah, I'm I'm still hopeful about it. Um, we'll see what happens as I'm sitting in the keynote on just a couple of Mondays from now, actually. Uh, we'll see what happens. And it doesn't matter now, though. Yeah, but hopefully, hopefully it'll be okay. And like you said, to some degree, it just doesn't matter. And you know what? I'm just really, really excited that I shipped. And I'm. We'll talk a little bit more about what I'm expecting and and what I'm you know excited for, or nervous of, but. More than anything else. The most important thing is that you actually completed it. Yeah. That's the most important part. Exactly. Like, it doesn't matter how successful this app could ever be. It's not going to make you a million dollars. Like, it's just not in its current form. That's just not what this is, right? What the hope would be is that it is the beginning of another phase of your professional career, that it gives you the confidence and a little bit of a push to move forward, right? Like, The app doing exactly what it does right now is not a million dollar application. It's just not that, right? Like, but but it might be enough to give you some wind in your sales, as you mentioned earlier, to add more stuff to this app and to enable you to have more thoughts and more ideas until you end up finding the thing that becomes the big, like the big big success for you, which is perfectly fine, right? It's just like you, this is like the first step on that ladder. Yeah, I sure, I certainly hope so. And, you know, we'll see what sales figures look like when they start coming in, if they start coming in, which I certainly hope they will. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't expect to set the world on fire with this. I am very proud of it. I do think it's very good. I think it's well done. I think I've tried not to cut corners. I genuinely, genuinely think that like the people that buy this application, having heard you talk about it, are going to be really happy with it, which I think is, it was always my concern mm-hmm. for you is like, what would people actually really think? Sure. Like, would they get it and be like, I like KC, like, this is fine. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, I don't mind giving him $5. Like, I love his shows. But, like, I, I genuinely think this is an application that people would download because they've heard you talk about it and they're like, I like Casey. I want to support him. They run it for the first time and they're like, oh, no, this is good. I sure hope so. This is exactly what I wanted it to be. <laughs> like, I'm very proud of you because you've actually made a compelling, well working, featured application it is a good idea it's a very good idea that you had and you have executed on that idea which is much harder than it sounds it is it is and and i appreciate it and that's very kind of you to say and it actually fixes the problem that you have set out to solve like mm-hmm. it does that yeah. the app does that which is as i say not always as easy as it sounds to be able to do something like that, I, I think, but you have done it. Yeah. And, and I, I sure like to think so. And it's in the app store and it seems to work for at least a couple of people. So it sure seems like I have, and I appreciate it. And it's funny too, because this app really isn't that complex on the surface, but I haven't done a count lines of code or anything on this. I'll see if I can run that at some point while we're talking, but it is surprisingly, it is a surprisingly large amount of code given what seems to be a simple app. I bet most of the code is for your cascading checkbox. No, that is not most of it, you big jerk. I know exactly what you're referring to, and users and listeners, you will too when you run it for the first time. But no. Uh, no, see, the thing is, people might not notice it. People that have been in the development process would see it a million times because mm-hmm. you love your cascading checkbox. I do. Which is a nice animation, but as I said to you, like you, you reined it in to the point where it's actually something nice, where in previous versions of the application it was way too heavy-handed 
Yeah. So for those who haven't seen the app, let me paint you a word picture. So when you run the app and you do a search, eventually it will come up with all of these you know, rows that that each of which represents a different contact. And when when it's searching, it does it's not none of them are selected. You know, it, it doesn't really allow you to select them for technical reasons that are uninteresting. But at the end of the search, I was going I wanted to select all of them, you know, so because the assumption is, yeah, let's update everything. And so instead of just having it just, you know, flash from all of these checkboxes unselected to them being selected, I decided to do this like cascading animation where the first one selects and then there's a very, very, very brief pause and then the next one selects. And so it just kind of like trickles down the screen. And I love this. I think this is the coolest little, little like, uh, I don't know, way to delight the user. And I have heard very mixed reviews from those on the beta program as to whether or not they find this interesting, useful or otherwise good. As I said, my my, because it used to be that um, it would continue to cascade as you scrolled the list, mm, mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. and my feedback to you was, it looks like the app is trying to catch up with me. Yeah, which kind of made it look like it was slow, which is not what you would want it to be. No, definitely not. I do enjoy being on uh, betas for friends' applications. Like I, I enjoy the process. Like. One of my kind of skills and or crosses to bear um, is I am very, I feel like I have a sense of being able to see what's wrong, like what, what see potential problems that people will go through for anything. Like I, mm-hmm. I kind of learned this in my marketing job because you had to constantly second guess everything you did for the one person who might get upset, right? Mm-hmm. And make a complaint. And there were like just like a few things that I think I helped with that I think could have helped you out with. One of them being that like there's always two buttons you have to press to commit the contact change, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the image change. Yeah. Because like I was worried for you, it's just like if you hit that button by accident, which I nearly did one time, there's no undo. Yeah. Right. So it's like yeah, that that's why I like being on these on like betas and stuff like this, uh, because you get to you get to help a little bit, which I enjoy. Yeah. And you know, there's a little taste of Mike in here and a little taste of Marco and John and everyone else. And, and that's, that's made the app better. And, and I'm really thankful for it. So what else do we have to talk about? I don't know. Uh, I want to talk, I actually want to talk about what the last two weeks have been like mm. for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because things increased significantly and I'm kind of just like keen to know what that, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we do, let me actually thank our second sponsor for this week's episode. That's our friends over at Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud and get something up and running in seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode serve their customers with the help of 10 data centers across the globe. And they're always adding more. Mumbai, India, and Toronto, Canada are both going to have data centers before 2020. They feature na- all of Linode's data centers feature native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, Intel E5 processors. That's what you're going to be getting uh, access to in these machines. It's really wonderful stuff. This means you're going to be able to serve your customers even faster than ever before. You don't have to stress about overspending with Linode as well. Their virtual servers are designed uh, with pricing tiers to feature hourly billing with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balances. So you know you're not going to be overspending. So you're going to be able to keep that stuff in check, which is 
really super useful. Their pricing options in general were really great. For just $5 a month, you can get a plan that starts with one gigabyte of RAM for your server, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM as well. But Linode have a wonderful offer for listeners of this show. Just go to linode.com slash analog. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash analog. Or use, and use the promo code, I should say, analog2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. That's four months free on the one gigabyte of RAM plan, and they have a seven-day money-back guarantee as well. So once again, go to linode.com slash analog and use the promo code analog2019, analog2019, to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and Relay FM. So you, as you say, you've been working on it since February and you've, you've been moving through, right? Like you've mm-hmm. really been kind of like doing, you've been like kind of pushing along, that kind of thing. But the last two weeks, you really pushed to get it out there and you, I mean, you've been tearing through builds. So <laughs> what I have, a, I have two questions for you, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you sacrifice to do this and was it worth it? Uh, in terms of sacrifice, I mean, I sacrifice is a strong, I understand what you're going for there, but sacrifice is you probably... You had to give something up in your lifestyle to work at this pe- yeah. pace because you don't usually. Yeah, that's true, but I, I don't want to overblow it either. Um, you know, a lot of, generally speaking, my working day is mostly in the morning with a little bit in the afternoon and a little bit at night. Um, but the last couple of weeks, my working day has basically been from the time I wake up until about dinner time and then I'll have dinner with the family and then I'll play with the kids for a little while and get them in bed. And then after bed, you know, I might be downstairs with Aaron working on my laptop, but I am still working as I am, you know, doing, you know, maybe watching a TV show or something like that. And so for the last couple of weeks, it's been working pretty much nonstop. That includes for the most part weekends uh, when we didn't have social obligations to do uh, this past weekend on this past Sunday, we actually went to my mom and dad's to stay the night and I worked pretty much the entire time I was there as well. And I think a couple of times mom, dad, and Aaron were all kind of like, dude, (laughs) but at the other, but on the other, on the other side of the coin, they all knew like I really needed to get a build to Apple uh, Sunday evening or Monday morning, which I ended up doing. And so they understood why I was basically ignoring everyone and just working the whole time. But I mean, is that really a sacrifice? Well, yes, by the definition of the word, I I was not doing the thing I wanted to do and was doing work instead. But it's not like I was, you know, missing out on a concert or, you know, missing out on Michaela's first steps or anything like that. Like, it could be so much worse. But um, I, I, I have had a very extremely stressful couple of weeks. Basically, the month of May, I've been really, really hustling a lot. And on the one side, it was a very difficult month and I am very, very tired. But on the other side, I am exceptionally proud of what I've accomplished. And even though a lot of this last month was extremely stressful and frustrating, there was a lot of it that was just really, really fun. And we spoke about this on ATP Uh, the last episode of ATP as we record this episode of Analog, one of the more fun things has been going back and forth with Say Jelly or what came up on on ATP was with Marco trying to get stuff squared away. So Marco would say, well, have you considered doing this? And I would put together a build, let it rip, and he would try it. And uh, what about tweaking it just a little bit more this direction? 
And a lot of this happened to have to do with copy editing because I tended to be very verbose in my copy on the on the app. And Marco is a man, when it comes to app design anyway, Marco is a man of few words, and I think it's for the better. And so he and I uh, spent one morning, which was very generous of him to spend the time doing that with me, you know, going back and forth on a lot of the copy within the app and trying to get it to be more simple, uh, more succinct, et cetera. And that moment, like those moments when either Marco or you or whomever is telling me, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? Or alternatively, when I'm like getting a bug report or something like that, or even a crash report, and I can figure it out and fix it relatively quickly and get a new build out that very same day, like as stressful as that is, that's also seriously fun for me. And it was also great to be able to, at least for a moment, feel like I was part of a team again, because again, this app is all me, but it wouldn't be here were it not for you, for Marco, for Jelly, for other people as well. And so I've really, really, really enjoyed it, despite the fact that it was also extremely, extremely stressful. And I am freaking out about the release, but we'll probably talk about more about that in a minute. What was it like to use like TestFlight and stuff? Because this is probably the first time you've been able to do that, right? Uh, I've used TestFlight in the past, but generally speaking, especially at my jobby job, that was... Apple's out- TestFlight? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, no, was it? Yeah, I thought it was. I don't think it would have been. Well, for Surely. for for fast text, it was not Apple's test flight. That was you know when it was third party. But for my jobby job, I'm pretty sure we used test flight. Uh, okay. and, and but the thing of it is, to your point, is that generally speaking, that was our our QA person that was the one in charge of you know blessing a release and actually getting it out the door to test flight and so on and so forth. So I was casually familiar with it, but I hadn't done a lot of it before uh, to this degree. And so yeah, I got to see you know, why App Store Connect is a lot better than it was during FastText time, which when it was iTunes Connect, but it still got plenty of its own problems. And there was a day when I really, really, really wanted to get a test flight build out, but I couldn't because test flight was down. And so I got to see a lot of the stuff firsthand that I knew to be bad. Like when Marco or underscore somebody complains about these things, I know they're not lying, but I got to experience it firsthand, which was delightful. But on the other side of the coin, when I was at my jobby job, for better or worse, there were parts of getting that app out the door that I just wasn't really involved with. And that's not unreasonable. It's just, it, it wasn't part of my job description. And that's I, how it works. And yeah, you know, that's just how it works. And so now I feel like if nothing else, even if this app is a total failure, even if it crashes for everyone that downloads it from the app store, if nothing else, I am now more marketable to a potential future employer because I've gotten something in the app store, soup to nuts, head, head to, t- you know, head to tail, et cetera. And, and that's powerful and important. Overall, what's the development kind of, kind of been like? I, I enjoyed something that Marco said actually on ATP last week where he was saying, like comparing it to you making videos mm-hmm. and like, is this going to be a thing that you end up kind of, keeping up with or will it fall by the wayside sure like it's just not really something you can know yet but kind of comparing the development of this app to when you were making videos and stuff like that how does that feel yeah it at times it felt like a similar slog um it was definitely there were definitely times where it was very difficult and very frustrating but by and large, I have had from start to finish a lot more fun with this than I do with the videos because the videos, I enjoy doing them. I definitely enjoy filming generally, and I in- somewhat enjoy the editing. 
but this was a lot more fun to, uh, you know, from the beginning to end. And I think that's because this is my comfort zone, right? Like I'm, well, there's a lot of this that is outside my comfort zone, but you t- hopefully you take my point that by and large writing software is my comfort zone. And so because of that, I have really enjoyed it. And though I don't have any other ideas in my back pocket for other apps, I have tons of ideas for things that I can do with Vignette in the future if it becomes even mildly financially worthwhile. And so I am really amped to fix whatever bugs I don't realize are out in the one and even the ones that I do realize that I just didn't have a chance to fix. I'm excited to add features to it. I'm excited to hear feedback from a broader audience. So there's a lot I'm excited to do on Vignette. And and although I do feel like I need a little bit of a break for a couple of days or a week or something like that, like after the release, the you know, hoopla settles down. All that said, I am already looking forward to and starting to plan out, you know, what are the next few things I'm going to be working on? And and I think that's a really good sign. And not that I don't feel that way with the videos, but I don't know. With the videos, I almost feel like, okay, this burden is finally off me. And right now, I feel like this burden is off of me, but I'm also excited to start on the next chapter. So what's the release plan? Like, how are you, what do you, I mean, people know this now uh, when they're listening, but like, what are you planning on doing? I'm interested to kind of get a sense for how this part feels in advance of it actually happening, like what your plan is. And then people can judge on how well that plan was executed. Very very much so. So uh, the release plan is there's an embargo until 11 o'clock Wednesday morning. And hopefully if we, if we do things right, this episode will drop right around then. Uh, I've spoken to Federico and the team at Mac Stories, and I think they're going to be doing something, uh, doing some sort of post about it. I've uh, spoken to uh, Ian over at Cult of Mac, and I think he's going to be doing a story about it. Uh, and obviously, you know, my friends, I'm sure, will you know do me a solid and say, hey, check this out, or hey, look at this. And I'm sure we'll talk about it when we record ATP tomorrow night, the night of release. Um, but there's not that much science behind it. I mean, I am extraordinarily lucky and I, I don't think I've made that plain that, you know, yes, I've made it plain that there was a lot of people that that helped me write this app, but I'm also extraordinarily lucky to even have those acquaintances or friendships or whatever in the first place. You know, how would I have done this if I didn't know Ben or if I didn't know Jelly or if I didn't know you or Marco or John? And and then beyond that, how would I market it if I didn't know Federico, if I didn't know Ian, et cetera, et cetera. And so I am I am an independent guy. I did do this by myself like I've been saying all episode, except when I didn't. And I just want to make it plain how thankful I am for everyone who has offered any amount of assistance to me uh, for doing for doing anything. And so the release plan is 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, you know, drop the embargo, announce that it's been on the App Store. Well, I probably won't call attention to the fact that it's been on the App Store for a few days, but at least announce the fact that it's on the App Store. And uh, and hopefully everyone You're will download it. You already got an update in, which is kind of yeah, funny yeah. to me. Yeah, that's what I was working on Sunday at my parents' was I really wanted to get a couple of things through uh, hopefully in time to be there before the release. And, and I was able to do that, which I'm really, really excited about. So yeah, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, we actually have a busy morning tomorrow that, that we had something that came up. That's not bad, but it's just something unexpected. Oopsie daisies. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure how much I'm going <laughs> to be able to like sit in command central and monitor Twitter and so on and so forth. And in a way, I'm almost thankful for that. Sometimes that's for the best. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's for the best. Yeah, you know, in a way, I almost wonder, like, because you know, if somebody downloads this and there's a crash, they're going to immediately go c- complaining on Twitter because that's what I would do. And so maybe you know, coming to it a couple hours later might be better. I don't know, but we'll see how it goes. One way or another, I am extremely, extremely proud and excited and happy and scared. Absolutely. Sh- 
I want to ask you the, the hardest question of all. Okay. I want to know what you're hoping for, Casey Liss. Uh, I'm hoping that the app is well-received. I am sure I'm going to see bug reports. I am sure I'm going to see crashes. I'm sure I'm going to weight those in my mind as being more important than the people who say, hey, nice job. But I hope by and large that it's well-received. I guess that's a roundabout way of saying, I spoke about this, I think, here. You know, the public or my audience hasn't really your public my public has not really seen my work before because yes some some of the stuff i've done has been in the app store for years but i'd never call attention to it uh it was in an app that had been around for years and so a lot of what you see was not my work um you know i i I haven't really had anything any my work product in a software sense hasn't been in the public eye since fast text you know like, like four or five years ago now and i'm still pretty sore about the way fast text was received because it was received by an audience of people who knew me as a podcaster, despite the fact it was written by a kid who barely knew what he was doing. So my hope overall is that this does not remove all doubt that I'm an idiot, you know, this, or even better that, that it makes me look like I actually do know what I'm doing because I'm scared that people will download this and find a crash or something and be like, wow, I thought Casey knew what he was up to, but this app sucks. And I really don't think this app sucks. I really, truly don't. And I have enough beta testers that that are kind enough to me to give me the truth. And No, and, I know it doesn't. And I'll fight anyone that says it. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. <laughs> it doesn't suck. It doesn't. This is, this is what I said. I was genuinely worried that it would. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is nothing on you. No, no, I understand. Right? It's, it's nothing on you. It's just I was just scared. I was scared that it wouldn't be good. Yeah. Because... I have no idea if it's going to be good. Right, because even though is. even though you know me, you also haven't really seen the fruit of my you know labor I when it comes to software. I never even used FastText, I don't think. So there you go. I mean, FastText was hot garbage, to be honest. But nevertheless, um, I, I just hope that it's at least slightly well received, and that you know, even if people don't say, you know, it, it, this is not an overcast. It was never designed to be. It was never going to be. And it's it's not written by a person with as much experience as the author of Overcast. Because when Marco wrote Overcast, that was, what, his third or fourth iOS app at this point? You know, this is my first real, like, big kid iOS app. You know, Fast Text was in the App Store, and yeah, I guess it counts, kind of, but it wasn't, it didn't have the, the, the time and care put into it that Vignette has. And so I just hope that people look at this and say, you know, yeah, it's no Overcast, but it's still a pretty solid app. Well, not not all apps have to be exactly like if if all the app is ever supposed to do, at least for now, is solve the problem that you have set out. It already is doing all of that. Yeah, and so uh, hopefully it will be successful in that regard. And naturally, I'm hoping that you know this will be a not insignificant amount of income for me. Um, I, I don't expect that necessarily, but I'm really hopeful that. That you know, if you put enough, if you put enough five dollar bills together, that that adds up, and it adds up somewhat <laughs> quickly, you know. So I'm really uh-huh. hopeful that that I'll be bringing more income in for my family. And you know, on the on the app and the setting screen where you purchase the in app purchase, once you've purchased it, I, I don't have it in front of me at the moment, but the the subtitle, you know, it says something like "Thank you for your purchase." And, you know, the subtitle says something along the lines of, you know, your your contribution has helped my little family immensely, and I mean that because. Yeah, you know, we are not, we are not in a bad place 
in, in financially, but but you never know when podcasting would go away or when something dramatically would change, when when something terrible could happen to the family. And so having another income stream, even if it's not, you know, a full-time living, is something I'm I'm really, really working toward. And that's a lot of what Casey on Cars was, was trying to build another income stream. Now, naturally, that didn't really work out for a bunch of very obvious mm-hmm. and non-obvious reasons, but but I'm I think I'm feeling positive that this will be a more than it'll at least be a blip on our on our radar financially and i and i i really hope that's the case and i and i really hope that people like the app i mean ultimately i just want people to like the work that i've done and in the same with podcasts and the same with my videos i just want people to like the work that i've done even if they say hey you know it's not for me i just want people to 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 say you know i it, it, i can see it and i like it even if it doesn't solve a problem that i have you know what i mean and so mm-hmm. that's that's just what i'm hoping for is there anything else that we haven't touched on that is a concern, like something you're worried about? Oh, absolutely. Everything. Everything I'm worried about. Uh, crashes I'm worried about because, you know, the test flight seems to be going pretty well, but it's not. I, I, I still hear reports of crashes from time to time. And, you know, I, I'm worried that it just won't work. I'm worried that I'm the only human being on the planet that has a decent contacts database. And so for everyone else, it's going to be like, well, yeah, that's great. But I found two updates, which is what we were talking earlier, talking about earlier. Um, I'm worried that the press coverage isn't going to be complimentary because I never, you know, said to Ian or, you know, Vitici or anyone else, you know, Hey, you know, I'm only, oh, you can only talk about this if it's good. You know, I never even implied that man now granted Federico is a friend, but I think even though Federico is a friend, not, it's not that he's a journalist first, but he would never compromise his journalistic integrity for a friend. You know what I mean? Like maybe he just wouldn't write about the app at all. And that would be his way of saying this is hot trash. But, you know, I, I don't think he would, you know, do a puff piece. In fact, I know he wouldn't do a puff piece just cause it's me. And so what is, in terms of what am I worried about? What if the, the Mac stories write up says, well, you know, it's okay, which is fine. Like that's, if it's okay, it's okay. But that scares the piss out of me. Does that make any sense at all? I think so. I just, I just want people to like my stuff, man. I just want them to like my stuff. I would be worried too, um, but I, as I, you know, I keep coming back to it. Like I just, I really struggle to know what, how that could be a problem. I mean, crashes. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's always an issue. Yeah, as long as it's not really bad, though, right? Like, I think people excuse them. I, I, I like to think so too. And one of the ways I got, I got some modicum of peace with this was. I can't think of a specific example, but I know Marco has shipped Overcast with known crashes. Now, maybe those crashes are one-tenth as frequent as whatever vignette will run up against in the next day, but I know that there are times that he has shipped software where he knows that if you do this, 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 and this, it will crash. And and if he's okay with that, then I need to be okay with it too. And I've, I've done software, I've, I've been a software developer, developer long enough that I know there's no crash-free software. So... I just need to embrace the You've fact. You've just got to be comfortable that the ways in which bugs occur or crashes occur are through such esoteric means that the average person's not going to find it anyway. Right. And I don't think that's necessarily the case with Vignette. I bet you that there's going to be something predictable that I just didn't try. You know, some. I actually have found a little bug. It's not a problem. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> no, there you go. But, <laughs> but it's one of those things where I did a thing that nobody's going to do. 
but you know, hope, well, but here's the thing. Hopefully I'll have enough. Somebody's using this thing that somebody will do it, you know, but uh-huh. we'll see what happens. But, but I mean, that, that's, I think what worries me the most is that people will have a bad experience with this, especially a first impression. Like if you run this app and the first time you use it, it crashes, like that's not good. And I'm scared of that. And I, and I've tested, I've had people test this with pretty big contact databases, but uh, as an example of something that I'm looking to do in a future version is, you know, I don't have my phone synced with an exchange server and I don't know how that works with regard to contacts. Like I just ask the, you know, I, I ask iOS, Hey, give me all the phone's contacts. Well, what if that user is synced with an exchange server with a company of a hundred thousand people? Does that uh. mean a hundred thousand contacts are coming back? Cause there's no way the app will handle that. So one of the things I would like to do in a future version is in the settings screen, allow you to choose a subset of the groups of contacts because some people use this religiously. I personally do not, but you can have groups like work or home or family or what have you. And maybe, you know, if you are in a situation where you have access to a hundred thousand contacts, maybe you could at least go into the settings and say, well, don't include work, just do personal contacts or, you know, or stuff on the device or whatever. I haven't really looked into this yet, but that's on the to-do list for a near-term future version. And so I'm just hopeful that between my beta testers and me, I've gotten enough reliable feedback that for most people, it should hopefully work okay. God willing. Well, good luck, buddy. Thank you. And I appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to me about it. Um, We're um, not done, though. We have some follow-up. No, we do. We're putting follow-up at the end. Everything's upside (laughs) down today. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace because they will let you create a website for your next idea, give you the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of award-winning templates, and so much more. Squarespace can be the home and should be the home for that next project that you have. Because no matter what type of website you want to make, they're an all-in-one platform that will let you do it. They have functionality to let you build blogs, portfolios, stores, sites for businesses, sites for restaurants, sites for events. Squarespace have it all. And that's why I've used them for so long. It's why I continue to keep coming back to Squarespace because there's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. I don't need to know anything other than how I want it to look. Everything is just drag and drop and it's easy to use. You click, you type in what you want, you get the content, you put the pages in place. Everything is just easy to enable. You check and uncheck stuff. I love Squarespace for all of this stuff. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support as well. So if you need any help with anything, they've got you covered. You can grab a domain name. They have those templates that are all beautifully custom and you can try it out for free. You can just go to squarespace.com slash analog. They have a free trial. You can go in, try it out for yourself. You can build your entire website and then when you're ready to launch it to the world, you sign up for one of their plans that start at just $12 a month and you can sign up uh, right now using the offer code analog at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So go to squarespace.com slash analog. Use the code analog to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. We'd like to thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM, Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. So, Mike, I owe you an apology. And I feel like we, uh, we start the show. Well, we're not starting it with this, but I've said that to you too many times on the show. But I think it was the very day we recorded the last episode of this show. We got through the entire thing. We recorded it. And hours later, it occurred to me, oh, my God, I never talked to Mike about the incomparable. So, Mike, I'm sorry. I completely forgot. Okay. And I'm terrible. I was a guest on episode 458 of The Incomparable called San Francisco Rat. It was uh, put out on May the 4th. And it was my very first appearance on The Incomparable. So this is Jason Snell's. uh, This is the flagship podcast of The Incomparable Network of shows. 
Um, but The Incomparable is a kind of a podcasting institution, I think, at this point. And I was very happy to be on it. It was one of the, honestly, like the one of the last goals that has existed for me over the last kind of 10 years, right? Like it was just like, oh, that's something that I would love to be able to do one day. I don't think I have many more, if any, of these types of things left. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really happy to be on it. I, there have been many opportunities in the past for me to be on an episode, but The Incomparable is very, very US-centric in its uh, timing for recording episodes because basic, like a vast majority of the hosts are in the US and some of the hosts that are on a bunch of the episodes that I uh, want to be on either live on uh, the West Coast or they are they have other like commitments which mean that they can only record in the evenings which meant typically if I wanted to be like I wanted to be on the Toy Story 3 episode of The Incomparable quite badly but it was recording at like 3am my time so like I would be no good um, mm-hmm. on the show mm-hmm. especially because as I was when I, I so luckily uh, this was an episode that I told Jason I really wanted to be on and he said actually so does some other people like a couple like James Thompson wanted to be on it as well and he's in Scotland um, so he was like you know what let's let's do an early time so he he did an early time and I got to be on that episode which I was really happy about um, but like I was super nervous about this uh, which is why I really wanted to do it at a time when I would felt like I would be alert because the Incomparables audience is full of people that really know their stuff about pop culture. And I'm rolling in there with my little takes about comic book <laughs> heroes, right? And it's just like, you know, it's, it's quite an intimidating thing to be out of your typical comfort zone, right? Like, I, I feel like I could probably, and do you know what? I feel like I could quite comfortably walk into any show about Apple and I would be fine. I wouldn't be worried. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be worried that I would look like a fraud. Sure. Right? Because I know it. I know it by now. Like, I know the ins and outs of this stuff. But I don't really know the ins and outs of Marvel movies or comics or even just film in general. Um, so, uh, also, it was a really important episode. <laughs> it was the, the one of two, but the first episode, the one with Jason on, about the Avengers movie. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. it was about Endgame. Um, and it was great fun. It was kind of funny at the beginning. So I would say it went really well. I was super happy about it. I'm really pleased that I did it, but it was hilarious at the start because I kind of monopolized the first few minutes of the episode. <laughs> so if you listen to it, Jason introduces me and then he says something and I answer and we're talking for a couple of minutes. And it's because I forgot it wasn't my show with Jason <laughs> because that's what I'm used to. So when Jason, when I hear Jason ask a question in my ears, I'm the one who answers them. Right. Right. So there's the first few minutes of the show where I was like, oh, and then I kind of like forgot. And then I did that thing later on in the show, kind of like in the middle towards the end, where I forgot that I was on the show (laughs) and that I wasn't just listening to an episode of The Incomparable. So there's like a big span there where I don't say anything and then realize, oh, I'm on this. Uh, But I was super happy to do it. Very, very pleased to do it. Yeah, that's super awesome. Uh, I have been on the Incomparable main show twice, and I got to tell you that oh. it took me forever to get on the main show, and I was angling for it for a long time. And I also felt like that was a uh, feather in my cap, or whatever the turn of phrase is. In that, mm-hmm. okay, no, I, I'm a real, I'm a real podcaster now because I've I have appeared even but once on The Incomparable. And so I completely echo everything you're saying about how important it is 
uh, and how much of an honor it is to be on that show. Now, I have not listened to your episode because I still haven't seen Endgame. And so mm-hmm. uh, I am very excited to hear it once I finally You saw see- Infinity War with me, right? I sure did. But f- You should go watch Endgame. Well, but the problem is if you're going out... Oh, actually, this is some follow-up, come to think of it. This is perfect segue. I didn't even plan it. Uh, so I was very cagey last episode about why this WWDC was different because I had said on the show that I wasn't really sure that I should be talking about why this WWDC was different, and I hadn't spoken to anyone about it that I needed to. So the reality of the situation, which Mike knew, but nobody else knew, is that Aaron is actually joining me for the first couple of days of WWDC this year, which is super exciting, because the last time she did was in 2014 when she was pregnant with Declan, and she left Sunday morning, which was around the time that everyone, including Mike, was showing up. And so uh, this will be the first time she'll actually be there during the week of the conference. And so she's going to be out there with me for a couple of days. She'll be leaving Wednesday morning. And because of that, we are using all of our babysitting credits for those few days, because we're going out the in the you know over the weekend to see my brothers, and then going up to San Jose, and so we have we have used more than our fair share of babysitting credits for now, and that's why we haven't seen Endgame yet because it's hard to do that when you don't want to bring two small children into the theater for a three or three and a half hour movie or whatever it is. So we have some follow up on putting children's photos online from Bondi Berry. In the latest episode, you talked about consent and putting your children online. My mother does this to me all the time. I'm 17. I have had many fights about this, but she will not remove them. I feel that my privacy is misused and I can't do anything about it. I am so thankful for this follow up. Mm -hmm, Me too. This is exactly what I was worrying about. Um, I feel terrible for this person that they feel this way. It makes me very sad, Um, especially if they've asked and that request is not being met i I find that to be very upsetting um but uh, i'm thankful to hear this type of feedback from somebody who is kind of in the first wave probably yeah yeah yeah. um of of people that is going to start hitting this kind of around that uh that around that age right 16 17 like when you start to actually care about this type of stuff, really, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would have been like five, six years old when this stuff started to blow up. So it's, your stuff's kind of been out there for a while. I mean, I don't. I just, I just, I just hope that society can establish some norms that mean that people don't have to feel like that. Yeah, I'm, we'll see what happens. But as I said, you know, whatever episode we talked about this last episode or the one before, that you know. Uh, to some degree, I feel like this it's appropriate for me not to put you know Declan now and eventually Michaela online everywhere. But also, to some degree, I kind of think of it as a gift for them. Like, hey, you're after age four or thereabouts, you're kind of a ghost on the internet until uh, until you know whenever you're cognizant enough to change that. So uh, I, I think to some degree that's a gift, and and I hope that. Um, I don't put Declan or Michaela in the situation that Bondi or Bondi Barry uh, describes where they're, they're displeased with what, what is posted of them online. And it's not really my, mm-hmm. I, I, me personally, I don't think that it's my decision. What should or should not be made, what should or should not be put online because it's them, it's their bodies and their likeness and their behavior. And that should be up to them. And obviously at four and four and a half, Declan can't really make that decision, but I think I should err on the side of not putting him online because he can't make that decision yet. But again, that's just my thoughts and not everyone agrees and that's okay. So our next episode is actually set to be recorded on the Tuesday of WWDC. We did that once. It was a terrible idea. Um, 
So we're going to record an episode in advance uh, that will come out kind of on the sh- on the regularly scheduled time. So it will be out on, what, like Sunday the 2nd or something, uh, either before I get on a plane or when I land at home. <laughs> um, but we're going to do another mic at the movies. We just did a car chase movie that we both kind of liked. We're now <laughs> going to do a car chase movie that we both really like. And we're going to talk about Baby Driver. Um, which also, as well as being a car chase movie, so there's a tie in there, this show has a long history of Edgar Wright movie reviews, especially for um, Relay FM members. Uh, I would say, I, didn't, I, don't, I actually don't think I want to really talk about it too much, but I will address it here, we'll address it next time. Kevin Spacey is in this movie. I know Kevin Spacey is a bad guy, but the movie is not ruined because Kevin Spacey is in it. Um, I want to address it. I'm very aware of this fact, right? Like I, I know that he is a, tr- a troubled individual, um, but the movie's still really frigging good and it doesn't change that. So uh, that's kind of, I just want to say that. Is that fair? Yeah, totally. And I echo everything you just said, like Kevin Spacey, clearly a dirtbag, clearly a terrible human being, but that is not necessarily pertinent in, or at least Mike and I are going to choose to treat it as not necessarily pertinent to his performance in this particular film. And mm-hmm. we'll probably reiterate this briefly next episode, but one way or another between now and the time that you listen to the next episode, if you haven't seen baby driver, uh, I, I can spoiler alert. You know, we both, as Mike said, really it's enjoyed really it. So good. it is really good. And it's one of those films for me anyway, that each time I watch it, I catch something a little bit different about it that I didn't see before. And that's to often, true of uh, Edgar Wright films. But anyway, uh, that is your homework. If you please, obviously, if you've not seen the movie and if you don't mind it being spoiled, you can still listen to the next next episode. No big deal. And we'll probably talk about it. Maybe one or two other things. Maybe we'll do a you know vignette launch recap. Who knows? Yeah, we'll do that for sure. Yeah. The, the overwhelming majority, though, of the next episode will be uh, Mike at the Movies with Baby Driver. Good luck on your app. Thanks, man. We'll see what happens. Fingers crossed.